the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning to you. It's a Wednesday, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We are closer to Friday and a three-day weekend than we were on Monday. That's right, three-day weekend because next Monday is Labor Day. So you get uh, three days off and then we'll all convene back here on the Dave Ellswick Show at 6 a.m. on a Tuesday. Elizabeth Sotolaro will be with me at that time as well as the Bible guys. And don't forget when Bible guys come on next week, uh, we're going to spend an hour talking the theology of why do bad things happen to good people, free will, things of that nature. So it will be a very interesting hour discussion uh, with uh, Scott Stewart from Agape Church and, of course, Steve Hess, and hopefully by then Billy will be back as well. Today, I'll start it off here for the first hour. Liz Harrington from the RNC. We're going to talk poll numbers and some interesting things coming out in the polls, like no polls coming out since uh, Kenosha. Is it possible that the people who do the polls and whom I believe, and uh, other people don't, but this is my personal opinion that many of the polls uh, are out there trying to help push Biden towards the finish line. Could it be that Trump, as the uh, poll from over in uh, the U.K. came out showing him in the lead now, that they're finding the same thing out in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and other states, and uh, haven't published any poll numbers because it doesn't go along with their narrative. Uh, we'll get into that discussion with Liz Harrington when she comes on at the uh, 6.35 hour. 7 o'clock, we'll be talking with our congressman. And, of course, that's French Hill from the 2nd District. Got a question for him. Uh, yesterday, Pompeo, Secretary of State, was on uh, uh, radio and said that he believed that all of the Confucius Institutes would be closed on all the college campuses by the year's end. Does that mean UCA will close, see their Confucius Institute close as well? I get calls that I've got to make after my show today. Uh, 735, we've got a libertarian candidate that's going to join us. We'll talk to him. 
8 o'clock, which is our 6 o'clock hour, uh, we will be talking to Duck of Duck's Garage because Joe is out uh, visiting a plant over, I think, in North Carolina. And so he won't be here, but Duck will be here and we'll talk to him. We'll see if it's only Duck or if it's Duck and Russell. But right now I'd like to talk a little bit about the Tobert Report. Now, the Tobert Report has been a part of the Dave Ellswick Show for at least 15 years. And uh, I got Monday's report that was put up by Jason Tolbert. Now, many of you remember Jason. Jason ran uh, this report, and he did some other things, and then he went to Washita Baptist there to be the CPA, I do believe. I think he's still there. But he had, uh, I'm not worried about what he's doing uh, for a living. I'm very interested in what he reported about the Pulaski County Deputy Clerk, Jason Kennedy, gave a report on absentee ballot applications to the Election Commission, noting that they had received 9,320 applications so far, which is an increase of about 300% from the previous general election. Over 7,000 came in the last two months, with hundreds being received every day. Now, it's understandable that they're getting a lot more absentee ballots. I've been, you know, I've talked to the Secretary of State uh, on the air about it. They're expecting an inordinate amount of absentee ballots, which may slow up election results on November 3rd. Uh, But we've heard that uh, those ballots are going out there in a legitimate way. Well, let's hear what came up in the commission hearing. You know, we've been hearing all the uh, information being talked about, you know, fraud in our elections uh, uh possibilities coming up on November 3rd. Let me give you some uh, interesting information. Again, this is from Jason Tolbert. I'll give him a call after the show, see if he can join us tomorrow. The interesting portion of the meeting, he says, takes place from questions from Commissioner Christy Starr, who asked about the process of verifying uh, the applications and how many had been rejected. Around the 48-minute mark, there's a, a, a link here on the, the Jason Tolbert report that you can go to and you can listen to this. Kennedy reported that out uh, of the 9,320 applications, no ballot applications had been rejected. Wow, are we that good here in Pulaski County? That the people who put in for these ballots, nobody made any mistakes whatsoever. And we've got a 100% batting record. Well, Kennedy reported that, you know, there were no rejections. Three applications showed that the applicant was not a registered voter and they have notified them and sent voter registration forms to those, but uh, the other 9,317 had a 100% verification rate. That's interesting. Curious how that's possible. Star started pressing this guy a bit harder and got this interesting answer from Kennedy. Kennedy explained that they are verifying names, addresses, dates of birth, but not all the signatures. What? 
quote, we're looking at the applications as best we can and have not found anything really outrageous. No explanation about that uh, word, what is outrageous and what isn't outrageous. The vast majority of the people who are applying are older, and we do not have a signature on a lot of their files, said Kennedy. Star pressed as to how that was possible since Arkansas law requires signatures to be verified. ACA 75-5-404, this is election law now, states, quote, applications for absentee ballots must be signed by the applicant and verified by the county clerk by checking the voter's name, address, date of birth, and signature from the registration records unless the application is sent by electronic means. And if the application is sent by electronic means, the application must bear a uh, facsimile of the applicant's signature. And Kennedy referred Starr to some sort of grandfather principle. Quote, there's a goodly number of people who are registering for absentee ballots that are grandfathered into the system, which means they have been registered voters since before you or I were born. And yes, we do not have signatures on file for many of them, said Kennedy. I'm smelling something here. There's an aroma starting to rise up. Starr replied replied that she, quote, cannot find the law that would grandfather in applications without signatures. I've asked the Pulaski County, this is Jason Tolbert now, said he's asked the Pulaski County clerk to help clear this up and also explain exactly how many of these applications they were not able to verify signatures as required by law. Because it's, look, this uh, county clerk said, hey, we're not even looking at at the signatures. So he says, Jason says, I'll let you know if I hear back. And so uh, some context is here, said Jason, in that Pulaski County is one of the strongest Democratic counties in the state and the strongest in the second congressional district where Republican, uh, of course, uh, French Hill, he's the congressman, is being challenged by State Senator Joyce Elliott in about the only semi-competitive race in the state. The Pulaski County Clerk's Office is headed up by Democratic Clerk Terry Hollingworth, who was one of only seven Arkansas delegates for Joy, uh, Joe Biden at the recent Democratic National Convention. So you, you, you want to stay tuned on this one, and I will with Jason. I'll see if we can't get him on tomorrow. It could get really interesting. Although the county clerk receives and mails out absentee ballots, the election commission, which is made up of majority Republicans, actually makes the determination if the ballot is valid and should be counted. If signatures are not being verified to the commissioner's uh, sanctification, this could lead to a showdown. (coughs) No doubt. This, uh, the answer to that is from the Simpsons. Duh. 
when they start saying they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, you got to start wondering, is somebody breaking the law? Oh, but Dave, surely nobody would break the law. Nobody would try to throw an election here in Arkansas. Ha. Read your history. Read your history. My thanks to Elizabeth uh, Sotolaro, who sent me that uh, link to Jason Tolbert's uh, report. And I'll give Jason a call. I've already uh, texted him uh, to see uh, if he's gotten anything new that he'd like to add to the report that we can get him on the air and he can talk about it. I'll call Star as well, see if we can get her on to talk about this issue as well. Because, you know, I'm just telling you, something's smelling here. I, I have a funny feeling this is going to be a talked-about issue on my show uh, with a lot of people. The first one probably being, if I had to lay any money down, the congressman from the 2nd District, French Hill. I forwarded him the story for them to read this and see what he might have to say about it. The other thing that I want to find out they have to say is if he knows anything about the Confucius Institute, where the Secretary of State said yesterday that he believed all of the Confucius Institutes would be shut down by the end of the year. All right, we need to get to our weather and our news, and uh, we need to find out, you know, what's ahead of us for the rest of this Wednesday, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day, closer to Monday or Friday than we were on Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stick around. We've got more stuff to talk about. Don't forget RNC's Liz Harrington coming up at 635. All right, so I've uh, got my my eye on my uh, texts, waiting for something back from Jason Tolbert, because uh, uh, see if he's got anything new on this story going on about elections. Uh, know that I'll ask uh, Congressman French Hill, if, and I sent the story to them today, saying had they seen this information and. Uh, did they want to talk about it today? Because I sure would like to talk to the congressman about it. He, he's going to, of course, talk about the violence that has broke out across the country, things of that nature. So we're going to talk about that. And coming up at 635, we're going to talk about polls. Because some interesting things are going on about polls right now. Uh, as in, they're not coming out like they usually do uh, since the Kenosha riots. We haven't seen very many polls. And it's been since the Kenosha riots that uh, several polls have come, done a, a 180. And uh, the president is back in the lead and in some of the polls by four to six points. That's a huge swing after the RNC. Um, amongst uh, black independents, by the way, the RNC had a very uh, significant, uh, re- you know, impact on them in that it showed that the president had about a 26 percent approval for I will vote for the president 
after the RNC. And uh, that goes to prove with Charlemagne the God on radio uh, when he had Biden on him. Biden basically said, if you ain't voting Democrat, you ain't black. And then uh, the people who were talking about the RNC, uh, the lady from CNN, I forget her name right now. I don't have it right in front of me, made the statement that uh, the RNC, when they had black speakers uh, speaking to the American public, reminded her of a minstrel show. Now, this goes on all the time from the left. Uh, You know, like I said, Condoleezza Rice, who did a fantastic job uh, when she was Secretary of State, uh, was called by many black leaders in Congress Aunt Jemima. And uh, for you who are younger, Aunt Jemima used to be on, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Aunt Jemima syrup and things of that nature. And they're, they've taken that uh, signature picture of a black woman wearing a bandana down now. They had taken it down with the bandana years ago and updated it and made an upscale black woman. But now they are taking the the black woman off their their products completely. So anyway, they called her an Aunt Jemima. They call Justice Thomas an Uncle Tom. And I don't need to go into any kind of explanation uh, why members of the black community call him that uh, because uh, if you're black and you're a Republican or it was this way, it's changing, thank goodness, uh, and and you were a member of the Republican Party, you were looked down on harshly, harshly uh, by uh, many in the black community. That is changing. Of course, uh You go back to the Templars, and one of the president of the Templars here in Little Rock was the uh, chairman of the Arkansas GOP back in the day. And nobody called him any names. That's kind of interesting. I'm kind of surprised that the Templars didn't tear his name off of the Templars uh, building downtown Little Rock because he identified as a uh, Republican. Interesting. In fact, was a Republican. He didn't just identify with them. 27 minutes after 6. Interesting show. Do you not say here early in the morning? Pretty good. That's why you don't want to listen. You don't want to uh, just listen to the 6 o'clock hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. You want to listen from 6 a.m. I should make that clear. From 6 a.m. until 8 a.m. Because you're going to hear a lot of different people at that time as well as the 6 p.m. hour. And you're going, and that, that hour has become a real meaty nugget for everybody uh, to tune into and listen to and uh, hear a lot of different information that uh, comes out uh, because of it. So uh, that's, uh, that's where we're at right now. I'm looking, have I gotten anything from Jason? I have not. So uh, could be he's just uh, got out of bed and just seeing it. Uh, and he'll, but he'll get back to us. He'll talk to us. We'll get somebody from the election commission uh, from Pulaski County on as well, and we're going to talk to them. 
we got news coming your way here in just over a minute. And at, uh, after the news break and our, our uh, weather and our uh, local news break, uh, and making and then playing some spots to pay the bills. I'll be back, and uh, you know, uh, Miss Harrington, Miss Harrington is going to be on with us. One of my favorite spokesmen uh, at the RNC. She took the place of uh, Kellyanne McInerney, who went to the work for the uh, president, who used to come on about once a month here on the Dave Ellswick Show, but now has significantly larger duties going on. Uh, with the President of the United States he doesn't have the time just to jump on here and talk to us. So anyway, uh, Liz will be on, and we're going to talk about those polling numbers because it's, that's very, very interesting to uh, say uh, the least, that uh, no new polls have come out uh, dealing uh, with the, uh, the race uh, in, in Kenosha. Uh, the mainstream media have released no battleground state polls, zero, since the Kenosha riots back uh, on starting on August 23rd. Uh, given that a Zogby poll last week showed Trump with a 52% approval rating, a new high, uh, one can kind of surmise uh, that now uh, the major media polls are showing a decisive shift in Trump's favor, which is not what they like. Yeah, it's 25 minutes to 7. Liz Harrington is going to be our guest this uh, half hour. She, of course, from the RNC, and we're going to talk polling numbers with her. Real interesting story. And again, thanks to um, my uh, uh, Facebook compatriot who... Uh, make sure that my Facebook is kept up to date with the breaking news stories you need to read. Uh, she sent me the story by John Daniel Davidson of The Federalist, which says the face of the Democratic Party isn't Joe Biden, it's the raging mob. And as he goes into his story, he says uh, the recent conventions were instructive about what's happening in the election. Most Americans don't pay much attention to them. Ratings for both the RNC and DNC, nothing amazing there. But here's what the, uh, the, the, the people of America do seem to be paying attention to, and that's the mobs burning down the businesses in middle America and accosting people in the streets of Washington, D.C., like Senator Rand Paul and Vernon and some others, uh, and uh, screaming obscenities on, and, uh, at them and getting in their faces and stuff. And, and let's remember, Maxine Waters, months ago, said that uh, if you're really a true Democrat, you should be out doing this. So for all the pageantry that went into the RNC last week, the images most, pe- most people are going to remember says uh, our writer, uh, will not be President Trump on a stage or the fireworks above the White House for the most part. It's going to be the angry horde pounding on the White House gates and the raging mobs that followed convention goers through the streets, screaming in their faces, harassing them, striking an old man in the face and threatening Senator Rand Paul and his wife. Everyone. 
everyone, even the New York Times and the Atlantic, which have been starting to sound the alarm, knows that those mobs belong to the Democratic Party. And, uh, you know, we always say, Liz, hang around. Uh, things change day to day when you got a presidential race going on. Isn't it funny we've not seen any polling numbers from anybody since the Kenosha riots exploded? <laughs> right. I even saw that CNN said, well, our polls lately haven't met our standards, so we're not going to release any. There I guess their go. standard is, you know, Biden winning by, you know, 14 points or something absurd. Yeah. Um, it's 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 so transparent. And I think you laid it out very well. And as does John Daniel Davidson. Great article. Um, he's a great writer as well. But it's similar to what you mentioned, Maxine Waters. This has been going on for years. Yes, it has. He's never accepted it's really not. It's really not about President Trump. It's more heightened, I think, because President Trump actually is not beholden to them whatsoever. He's a bigger threat to them because he actually represents the voters. It's about the voters. It's about what 63 million Americans said. Wait a minute. Let's get back to what America was supposed to be about. Let's get uh-huh. back to representative government, not an elite ruling class where there's one set of rules, like Nancy Pelosi going to the salon without oh, a mask, right, with the salon shuttered, her citizens suffering. That's really emblematic. I mean, we had fun with that story yesterday, but it's it gets to the heart of it, uh, of what uh, has been happening to our country for many years, which we said, stop having one set of rules, for the rest of us that we have to live by. And then you get to do whatever you want and never abide by them and never face the consequences of your bad policies and of lying to Americans for years. And that's what the Obama-Biden years were. It was a series of lies uh, about oh, hope and change, really? Yeah. Because there was nothing hopeful and nothing changed. It got worse. I mean, the policy, it was just the swamp ruling everything for eight years, and we said enough. And so Maxine Waters, get in your face, uh, their power was threatened by President Trump because the American people stood up and said enough of this. And they haven't been able to handle it. They've never recognized him as legitimate. Um, And you think about what happened in Kenosha and you have a Democrat governor saying that president of the United States is not welcome. Are you serious? Yeah, He's always they're, they're serious. Regardless. Oh, they are. But this is what Americans need to reject, because just like they're screaming in our faces when we left the White House on Thursday, after a week of debate, after a week of us putting out our ideas, us saying this is what America means, this is what we're fighting for, what did they do? They just screamed bloody murder in our faces. <laughs> That's not debate. They don't, they're not interested in debate. They're interested in power. And they have no idea, I don't think, what's, hap- what's going to happen on November 3rd. They thought November 8th, 2016 was bad for them. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to handle it. 
No, I think uh, what's going to happen, and and, I, and I've been talking about it. This, you know, I'm old enough. I remember when America was burning back in the late '60s. I remember the Watts riot and burn, baby, burn, and all of that. That was going on. I grew up outside of Chicago. I remember that you could see uh, smoke on the skyline of, of Chicago, which I think has got one of the most beautiful skylines off yeah. of Lake Michigan. But I remember all of that, and I was reminding everybody that in 1972, when Richard Nixon and McGovern went at it toe-to-toe, Richard Nixon won 61% of the vote, and all historians say that the reason that happened is because Americans are right of center when it comes to law and order. Absolutely. Um, You just, you don't have a civilization without it. I mean, look at Portland. It's horrific. And then reading Mark Hemingway's article, who was from there, and just going through, I can't even believe that Ted Wheeler's probably not their worst mayor they've had in recent decades. Yeah. It's unbelievable the depravity, the corruption. Um, and then it really all kinds of starts to make sense when you look at the images of just complete depravity in the streets every single night. I mean, this is not America. This is not. Uh, what this country it should ever stand for. It's, it's repulsive. And I, it's just amazing that Democrats still think so little of the American people and the American voter that we, we're going to be like, oh, okay, he condemns it now. Well, condemns what? He didn't mm-hmm. even say it. He didn't yep. even mention who's, who's doing it, who's perpetrating the violence for months now, that they didn't bring up a single time at their convention. Uh, He can barely read off the teleprompter. And more important, it's the content. He did not forcefully condemn what's happening in his party because they're all on the same team. They had DNC speakers who called for the destruction of capitalism, abolishing prisons and the police, They're all on the same team. D.C., oh, they just released their commission report to uh, recontextualize and remove monuments. It's what tell me the difference between the mob in the street that are harassing liberals, because let's be honest, 90 percent voted in D.C. for Hillary Clinton. They're harassing liberals out to dinner that you have to raise a fist, right? What's the difference between that mob and the bureaucratic version that says we can't have Ben Franklin, we can't have the Washington Monument, we and can't have, have Jefferson. Jefferson? I mean, it's these are the very men. Yes, they were men. Yes, they were flawed. But these are the very men who wrote our, uh, our national anthem, our Declaration of Independence, because Francis Scott Key was on there, Thomas Jefferson was on there, and Ben Franklin. Yeah, Ben Franklin. I mean, talk about, you can't really get much more American than Ben Franklin with all of his faults, but really his inventions, his writing. I mean, every person growing up should read his autobiography. Yep. Um, it's, 
incredible. And they want to tear the very root, whether it's people in a suit uh, with their, you know, poll-tested, nice-sounding, reimagining policing, or it's the mob in the street. They're all on the same side. And Americans have to reject it because you're, I mean, this is not America. They're, how can you lead a country? You're out there admitting you hate. I mean, we can't, we got to change the name of the city then. I mean, it's absolutely absurd. Yeah, it it really is. And Andrew Sullivan, who I've had on my show several times, because at least you can talk with Andrew Sullivan. Right. Uh, and when he was writing for Slate, now he's writing for some other folks. Did you see how he, distri- he described it as Democrats have walked into a trap as the election devolves into a contest over which party cares about maintaining order and upholding the law? And he said something that was really, really true. And he says, if one party supports everything I believe in, but doesn't believe in maintaining law and order all the time and everywhere, I'll back a party that does because that party has lost their legitimacy. Right. That's strong. It is. And what we're seeing is real. what, what Democrats are doing. And they're turning their cities into the third world. And it's not just Portland and Minneapolis and Kenosha now that they tried to destroy. But I, I was so proud that the president went uh, and he stood up for the people of Kenosha who want. And they just want, just like everyone else, no matter where you come from, what your background is, Americans want peace and security. How can you have, you can't have anything else without it if you're worried about your safety. Um, And it's really third world, though, what's happening in California. Oh, my God. They're using the power of the state, churches that uh, said, no, we're not going to comply. This is unconstitutional. Suddenly their leases are canceled. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is. This is really uh, a slippery slope, and people need to stand up against it. It is horrible. It's not. It's unconstitutional. And again, just like I mentioned, Nancy Pelosi, the rules don't apply to them, but they'll use those rules against you. They'll use the weight of government if you if you get in their way, if you stand up, if you say anything. And they did it in New Jersey to those gym owners. Who said, I mean, we, we're trying to survive out here. And the thing about this, what they miscalculate so often, because they only care about power, they're so blinded by their, in their arrogance, oh, they can just float on a pandemic from communist China. Uh, Americans are not going to be defined by a pandemic, not now, not ever, okay? It is going to go away eventually. <laughs> it, but you know what's not going to go away? Our constitution, our uh-uh. country. And that is what is always more important than some stupid communist virus. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, it's not to say that, it, of course, it's affected every single, everyone's lives. But this idea that this guy is just going to hide in the basement, steal all of President Trump's plans to combat it, and then let their cities burn when they've really handled all of their cities and states horribly. They've trampled all over our freedom, and they haven't done a good job containing the virus whatsoever. So what was it all about? What was it all about? 
people know what it's all about. All right. Well, before you run, Liz. That's going to stand up against. I, yeah. I agree. Before you run away, because I know you got a lot of people you got to talk to today. Uh, Liz Harrington is our guest from the RNC. Liz, have you been watching the U.K. polls numbers? They were right on in 2016, and they're showing Trump starting to not only take a lead but expand his lead. Uh, it's funny because I just came across an interview I did last fall when uh, Boris, after Boris Johnson and what was going on in the U.K., and I said, you know, this is going to be a precursor just like Brexit was in 2016. And I, I do believe there's bigger things going on here. And a lot of people around the world uh, were waking up to, you know, the same things. It's, it's fundamental things, right? It's, it's sovereignty. It's, it's Western civilization. It's our uh-huh. Judeo-Christian values. Uh, which are really under attack by the left uh, in all places, in all corners. And so I haven't seen those polls, but it's, it, it's fascinating because uh, you've also looked, even, you know, oh, when they all said the, the national polls were so bad uh, for us, which, I, I mean, you can't ever buy into these no. absurd slanted polls. But Biden was underperforming Hillary, even in the public polls that are so biased, to Democrats. So he's clearly weak. Um, they're missing the story. And I think of what in 2016 was so much about uh, was us being tired of lied to. And that's what politicians have been doing for decades. They've just been lying. And Americans are smarter than they think we are. And finally, we got someone that, whether, you know, he's a little bit tough. Uh, whether you like what he tweets all the time or not, you, you know he's not lying to you. You know he believes it, and you know he takes a stand for what he believes in. And that's what this is all about. And he happens to believe in America, and he happens to love America, and it's worth defending. And, again, we laid out our case. Um, Americans want to debate. They want a free society. They don't want to be lectured, uh, and they certainly don't want to be screamed at. <laughs> just for exercising their fundamental rights. All right, Liz, I'm going to let you go. Thanks for coming on today, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. You and I see this one right down the line. I believe Absolutely. Biden's going to lose big. He may yeah. he may be one of those candidates that only carries his home state, which would be Delaware. No, uh, he hasn't gonna... left his home state yeah, much, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. That's the key. All right, I got eight minutes till seven. We'll let Liz go. Thank you so much, Liz Harrington from the RNC here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay with me. We got more coming your way. All right, I was talking about this earlier about uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and what he had to say about China's uh, Confucius Institutes, which are all over the United States. And I've been talking, along with uh, Elizabeth Sotolaro, we've been talking about uh, that there's one at uh, the campus of UCA. Well, yesterday on Lou Dobbs Tonight, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said he's hopeful that every single one of China's uh, Confucius Institutes operating here in the States will be shut down by the end of the year. That's a 
huge story, and we'll we'll talk to Congressman French Hill about that when he comes up after the news at the top of the hour. He also stated that he believes universities have now come to understand the threat that arises from these institutions. Dobbs asked at last count there were 75 of the so-called Confucius Institutes in K through 12 American colleges and university campuses. How many will there be by the end of this year? And Pompeo responded, I hope the answer's zero, Lou. We've made clear that these are foreign missions. The State Department's designated them as such. That's important because now they come under a set of restrictions and rules. So he believes they'll be gone by the end of the year. The other thing that he said uh, last night is that uh, the Justice Department is really starting an investigation into Black Lives Matter and Antifa because they're finding some of the same bad actors showing up all over the United States and disrupting things and burning buildings and whatever. Uh, That uh, holds a lot of water when they start looking at who's behind that and where's the money coming from. So uh, expect that we're going to hear more about that as well. Here's what we're going to hear. When we come back at 7 o'clock, we're going to hear the news. And then after the news, we're going to hear from our congressman in the 2nd District. That's French Hill. That's all happening here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay with me. News is next. To the uh, 7 o'clock hour. It's Wednesday, and that means that our congressman from the 2nd District will join us, and that is French Hill. He's on the line with us via telephone. Good to have you on, Congressman. Thanks for joining us again on this Wednesday on the Dave Ellswick Show. Dave, great to be with you. Thanks for the invite. Hey, we've got some great things to talk about here. Uh, uh, I mean, Uh, There's big, 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 big stories out there that we'll get to. But I want to talk about two smaller stories, local stories uh, that have kind of uh, uh, broke out since just last night. Uh, The secretary of state, 
uh, Pompeo was on the Lou Dobbs show last night and said that uh, Lou asked him about the 75 Confucius Institutes that were in K-12 uh, and, uh, and colleges in the United States and, uh, you know, how many, you know, were going to remain. And uh, Pompeo said he hoped that they were all gone uh, by the end of this year now. You, know, you and I have talked about there is one at UCA. Are are you? Uh, do you know anything about what UCA is doing? Or are they saying telling the, the Confucius Institute they're done? Well, I have certainly talked to uh, Jeremy Gillum, our former chief of uh, Speaker of the House here in right. Arkansas, who's now the head of government relations for UCA, and uh, I know the board of trustees and executive leadership there have assessed it and uh, made some analysis, but I don't know their final determination on it. Okay, well, I'll give Jeremy a call today, see if maybe he'll come on tomorrow uh, to talk about that. But uh, the Secretary of State was very, very, um, you know, straightforward yesterday with Lou Dobbs about this and saying that uh, he wants them gone uh, from our country. Yeah, I think they found that... um, Simple Chinese enculturation or language skills, uh, Chinese arts and culture have not been a principal focus of the Confucius Institutes across the country, and that they've been tied in to some of the more malevolent activities that you've read about in terms of uh, academic theft and uh, secret research and uh, essentially a listening post across the academic sphere in the U.S. And I believe the uh, Secretary of State has done an excellent job raising that concern and awareness in his speech to the governors during the winter and in his detailed analysis of what's happening actually on campuses. And you've seen that followed up by actual FBI investigations, arrests, <laughs> and arrests around our academics uh, for the Thousand Thieves program is what I call it, not the Thousand Talents program. Right. Yeah. And, and just to finish up this little segment about uh, these uh, institutes, the Secretary of State said the State Department has designated them as foreign missions. Uh, because now they come under a set of restrictions and rules. I think some universities, and frankly, we've had these uh, Confucius Institutes in places other than American colleges. I think that everyone's coming to see the risk associated with them and the recruitment of spies and collaborators inside of those institutes. And I think these institutes, institutions can see that, and I'm hopeful we'll get them all closed out before the end of the year. That's good news to me. I'm I'm sure that's good news to you as well. It is, Dave, because, again, something that has a uh, uh, positive spin on it has turned out to have a very negative result for the country, and I appreciate the Secretary of State being so alert to it and uh, warning our college campuses and our governors. All right. You know Jason Tolbert just like I know Jason Tolbert. He's a great guy. He's a good conservative. Uh, he's got the Tolbert report going again. Were you familiar? Are you familiar that he's got that all started up again? I am, yes. 
All right. Did you see the article that came out Monday? I spent the first half hour of my show talking about it. We've been talking about uh, mail-in ballots. We've been talking about absentee ballots here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And came across, uh, Jason did, uh, the Pulaski County Election Commission had a meeting, and Pulaski County Deputy Clerk Jason Kennedy gave a report on absentee ballots saying they'd had a 300% increase in the people asking. They'd received 9,320 applications, and all of them had been given a rubber stamp of, of approval, uh, but when he was talked to by uh, Commissioner Christy Starr. She said, you know, did you verify them the way you're supposed to, you know, home and all of that and signature? And he said, not by signature. They hadn't done anything with signatures. And that is by law. You got to do it. Uh, And uh, bottom line, he said something about a grandfather principle and uh, uh, Star said, "What grandfather uh, father principle?" And uh, he couldn't pull it up, and she couldn't find it. Uh, this is concerning, Congressman. David's concerning. Uh, state statute requires that uh, that absentee ballot signature be verified by the clerk's office in each county. There's a specific procedure for that. They have a number of ways to do that. The voter may have voted uh, in the last election, and therefore they can go get the physical voter roll book and compare the signature. Uh, They can uh, look at the uh, uh, driver's license that should be attached. There are lots of ways to do it, and uh, I was very surprised that – of that meeting results. I think Christie, who is one of the election commissioners, is right to be asking these questions. And it appears to me that uh, Terry Hollingsworth is not following the law, which is not uh, good for either political party, because if she doesn't follow the law, then every one of those ballots will be objected to and not counted in the election should they go forward and actually be sent an absentee ballot, which starts just in two weeks. So she has an obligation under state law to verify those signatures before she sends any ballot out to the uh, citizen. Well, we all know Pulaski County, uh, it's important to them that uh, they get as many of those absentee ballots counted. I mean, uh, it is the stronghold for the Democratic Party. So uh, I'll keep an eye on it. And uh Anything interesting? I've already got sent a text to Jason about if he found out anything else. I'm going to try to have him on the show tomorrow. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't like the the smell that's coming from the uh, from over there in Pulaski County. Uh, it doesn't look good. The county building is closed. They're trying to do these meetings by Zoom. Uh, it's uh, It certainly hurts the reputation of Pulaski County if they don't follow the law, and I would certainly encourage that. I agree with you. All right. Ta- let's talk about COVID-19. Very interesting story came out from the CDC, even the New York Times reported on it, believe it or not, that perhaps up to 90% of the people who had COVID-19 were not spreading COVID-19. That's cause for concern. We shut down the whole frickin' economy about this, Congressman. 
It just shows you another gap in the fact that the word novel was in front of the word coronavirus. Novel meaning new, which means that even the experts did not know how to advise President Trump or how to advise our governors on the right thing to do because it was so unknown and there were so many uncertainties associated with it. I've said consistently, if we knew in March what we know today, if we knew in March what we know today, we would have been able to handle this situation so differently, and I believe with much less negative impact on the economy uh, and probably a much more successful impact on on tackling the virus. And that's just another fact that we have uh, learned in the recent days. So what do you think? How how should our states be reacting to that news? Or should we be starting to see all states uh, reopening? I mean, I'm not talking about just 25 percent in the restaurants and whatnot. I'm, I'm saying that we should we should be seeing restaurants being able to bring more and more people in so that they can start making money and stay in business. Yeah, I think I think the steady reopening is important. And because uh, we don't have full knowledge, I think we still have to be somewhat cautious about it. Uh, of course, it doesn't affect the Speaker of the House, who can go get her hair done anytime she wants to. That's right. Without wearing a mask. So uh, we have uneven rules here. I think that's what's frustrated Americans. And uh, so I think that we need to just adapt as we go. Um, and this is just another piece of evidence that allows us to, to safely reopen uh, <laughs> while following the precautions. And I think we need to do that. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll give you a chance to grab a, gr- a glass of water and we'll come back and finish up our conversation. 17 minutes after seven on a Wednesday, hump day, middle week day with Hill Day. We're closer to Friday than Monday, closer to a three-day weekend. That's a good thing for sure. Our, our uh, guest, Congressman French Hill, we got a few more things that uh, we'll want to talk to him about. We can talk about Kenosha. We can talk about the president visiting yesterday. We can talk about the Secretary of State. Take that back. The Department of Justice saying they're opening up an investigation into Antifa and uh, Black Lives Matter because they're starting to see the same people showing up at these protests where the uh, uh, let me change that. The protests, the uh, the riots uh, that uh, where buildings are being burned and, and all the things and all the destructions taking place. Is there, a, uh, you know, is there a, an effort uh, out there uh, across uh, these groups to do this? We'll talk about that with the congressman as well. We continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1 FM. The uh, answer, don't forget about PI Roofing and use PI Roofing to get your roof done. Man, we had have plenty of rain yesterday and today, and I hope you didn't have a leak in your roof uh, and you started seeing, you know, discoloration on your ceiling or on your walls or whatever. Now, if you did, here's the number to call, 707-3551, 707-3551. That is the direct number. It's the number that even I call when you need help from P.I. Roofing, the best roofing company around. They will take 
great care of you. I just had them out a couple of weeks ago, and they uh, found a, a leak that I had, and they they sealed it up. They can do the same for you and uh, call them and have them come out now. They may not be able to do the work on your roof as far as uh, you know fixing uh, the overall problem, but they'll stop the water from getting into your house and getting into your house and destroying the interior of your home. Remember that number, 707-3551, or follow them on uh, you know, the Internet, piroofing.com. Back with Congressman French Hill and uh, Congressman, uh, before we get back into serious discussion here, let me uh, congratulate you on uh, your communications director, Jeff Naft. He's done just an awesome job since taking over. I got to tell you, things have been seamless with him. Well, I will pass on that good word. He is a hard worker. He's a uh, Great uh, young man, a great addition to our team, and we're proud to have him. You know, it's every Arkansas congressman has to have at least one New Yorker working for him. <laughs> Got to have it, just because they don't take any crap from anybody. I'm just saying. There you go. So I've noticed. So I've noticed. That's the way it is. All right. So at 23 after 7, let me ask this question of you. Uh, A.G. Barr said they're opening up investigations uh, seriously now into Black Lives Matter and Antifa because they're starting to see these bad actors traveling across the United States uh, and and inciting these uh, riots or as the as CNN like to say, uh, like to see fiery peaceful demonstrations uh with with those with that in mind it's about time and uh we need to follow the money trail on this don't we well exactly when bill barr came to little rock at the invitation of senator tom cotton and we had a roundtable with law enforcement he got that specific question about what had he noticed uh, in the little rock uh, rioting and burning down around by the state capitol where the protests had turned into uh, a uh, more of a riot, violent, looting situation. And he said, you know, when you look at the people arrested in Arkansas, they were all local people. I think the number was around 70 people ended up being arrested. None of them were from out of state. And yet they found uh, staged bricks, rocks, Molotov cocktails around the site Uh, This was Colonel Bryant from the Arkansas State Police reporting this. And this has been a pattern in every city. And that implies organization, money, infiltration. And so what Bill Barr is, is reflecting is they're finding this pattern, and now they're investigating that pattern to see who's behind it and, as you say, to follow the money trail. Well, it worries me, and I, I've been making this point uh, over and over again, that these people are not just protesting. They're trying to topple our government. Exactly. Uh, the Black Lives Matter organization, not the sentiment, and Antifa, both are anti-government, anarchy-based organizations that are reminiscent of some of the most radical groups that were active in the late 1960s and all the violence, looting, and mayhem in our cities then. And they are uh, calling for the overthrow of government. They're, uh, they're making the statement that all of government is bad, all of government is systemically racist, and that the government is a failed system 
that should be overthrown effectively, changed completely. And that's the origins behind the radical notion of defunding the police. Uh, It's not a sentiment about better police. No, they want to defund the police. They were protesting in Little Rock at at the city board meeting this week on that point. And yet we have a well-certified, excellent training police department with good leadership trying to make it even better. So uh, that's why I think Bill Barr is on the on the search for the facts around who's behind some of this most vicious mayhem. Well, my last question for you, what's your I'll let you talk about this a little bit. And that's the mayor of Washington, D.C. She has gone absolutely nuts about uh, the monuments in Washington, D.C. Can you speak to that just a tad? We have to learn from our history. There's a stone block in front of the National Archives building. The National Archives building is is a real temple to our democracy because it holds the original Declaration of Independence and the original Constitution and Bill of Rights for all Americans to take a look at. Inspirational place. And in front of that building, it says what's past is prologue is etched in the building. And that's what we have to learn from history. We can't rewrite history. There are fabulous aspects of history. There are disappointments. There are wars. There are decisions that are bad. There are decisions that are horrible. But Lincoln said it best. We are on a long journey to creating a more perfect union. That's correct. And there's no country on the planet that is where freedom is enshrined, liberty is enshrined, and where we, the people, get to improve our country year after year. And we should look back over that 244 years of how we took that precious set of documents and put them in use, put them to work. We want to live up to our ideals that we outlined in those documents. And in my view, we are. And we have become a better country over the years, a more open country, a more inclusive country. We've built on the values of that uh, our founders put in place. And now our crazy mayor in the District of Columbia, who's just full on uh, out of control between Black Lives Matter, is now proposing to tear down and change the name of anything that has the name of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin on in the district. This is complete madness, complete madness. Well, I'm I'm sure that uh, the Congress will have something to say about a lot of that as well. I appreciate you speaking to it uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's uh, get ready to meet again next week uh, after Labor Day. What do you say? Thanks, Dave. Have a great weekend. See you then. All right. Bye-bye now. Yeah, that's Congressman French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up, uh, bottom of the hour, uh, we're going to hear from Rush Limbaugh. He is up, coming up here at 7.30. you got about 30 minutes to get to work if you got to be there by 8 o'clock. When we come back, uh, we're going to uh, talk to the Libertarian candidate, uh, and that is Ricky Harrington. He's supposed to call in at 7.35 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So get ready. Rush is all ready to talk to you. We'll hear what he has to say, and then we'll have more for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And then in this uh, 6 o'clock tonight, Duck will be with me. Joe won't be, but we'll talk to Duck about cars at 6 o'clock this evening 
on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back to you, 25 minutes to 8 o'clock. If you've got to be at work at 8, you might want to move a little bit quicker. Make sure you can get there in 25 minutes at least. Looking at our color radar, uh, lots of thunderstorms uh, up to the north of us, uh, north of Cabot, in, in fact. If, you go, if you're going up Highway 5, you're going to run into a lot of rain, a lot of rain around Heber Springs right now, Batesville, uh, over off of 65 in the Marshall area, up to Mountain Home and those areas. Rain, 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 and more rain. Pocahontas, Corning, other areas. That's what uh, we're looking at right now. Uh, so uh, we may get some rain still here in central Arkansas, but it looks like the majority of it, although there is a, a group of showers moving up from down south in the Hot Springs uh, and uh, area, Nashville, Ashdown, uh, all the way down into uh, Texas. So lots of rain out there. As you just heard them talk about, flash flood warnings are in uh, effect. All right, let's move on. We've we got uh, a libertarian candidate that's going to join with us. Ricky Harrington is on the Dave Ellswick Show now. My thanks to uh, William Brookkeen for helping me uh uh, get Ricky on the show. He is running for the Senate uh, under the Libertarian uh, uh, Party against Tom Cotton. And Ricky, thanks for joining us today on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thank you for having me, sir. Well, good to have you. Tell me a little bit about uh, uh, your platform and the Libertarian platform. Uh, what are you guys running on uh, against the uh, junior senator? Well, I'd, uh, I'd first like to make this comment about how interesting life can be. Um, four years ago, I had just come back from China as a missionary, um, was pretty much homeless. I found myself uh, a job working as a prison chaplain. On my way back and forth from working at the prison, I used to listen to your show, and now I'm running for the United States Senate and I, I'm, I'm a guest on your show today, so it's a, it's amazing how life can be. <laughs> um, my platform, of course, I'm running on a criminal justice platform, on a health care reform platform, and on, of course, um, revitalizing our foreign policy. I used to be a, a former Democrat, but I always had some libertarian leanings, particularly just making sure our government operates within the parameters of the Constitution. Uh, it's always been a thing like that for me. And um, the people that we entrust with the authority to govern, we want to make sure that the government behaves in a way that does not violate people's constitutional rights, uh, people's right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so that's um that's pretty much what I'm running on. All right. Well, let's 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 pick up a, a couple of those topics. Then uh, you're you're talking about uh, you know justice reform. What do you say needs to be reformed, and how? Well, America holds about twenty five percent of the world's incarcerated population. 
We are the leader of the free world, we say, right? And it's interesting that we would have the most people without freedom. And most of those people are incarcerated over low-level drug charges. And so we're trying to reform that system where people are not sent to prison. Rather, they remain in the community. They receive treatment in the community rather than placing them in prison where they're subjected to things like being recruited in gangs. That happens frequently. A lot of people that I worked with while I was in prison that got recruited into gangs that were subjected to sexual assault and, and many other things. And then they get ca- told, uh, they get taught how to be a more professional criminal. And there's a lot of people that go in and out of that cycle there in prison. And more specifically, there's a lot of gang recruitment in the prisons. And so we want to keep people that are not your hard-level criminals. I mean, people that commit murders and the other heinous, violent crimes. There are a lot of people that have done terrible things that receive just punishment. But we do not want low-level offenders to be caught in the system because it's hard to get out of it once you get caught in it. Hasn't Arkansas started moving that direction as far as, you know, with drug courts and things of that nature? Well, I I see a lot of people still being incarcerated over drug offenses. So, and then there's still people in prison over drug offenses. There was one man... He had three life sentences plus 25 for a drug offense. It was a traffic and trade offense. Um, but three life sentences, that's a lot over over substances. Okay, well, how much, how much substances are we talking about? I mean, is this just a guy that had a couple of, of joints in his pocket, or are we talking somebody that had, you know, pounds of marijuana or a significant part of crack cocaine or methamphetamines or what? Yes, sir, that is a very good question. Um, the drug war in America has done more harm than good. And what I mean by that is, as I said earlier, it it creates the problem. It's kind of a feedback loop. Someone may have pounds and pounds. I'm sorry. um, No, that's all right. Go ahead. ahead. Pounds of, of marijuana, yes. But the prohibition has created this black market that we see. And someone may be trying to fulfill this need in this market. And we want to take the market away. All right. What are, what's a libertarian platform for dealing with this then? If, if you got somebody out there who has, uh, if you're saying that if you, it doesn't matter how much of the substance you have, you gotta, we've got to figure out a different way of dealing with the people who have the substances. What's the Libertarian Party's answer to this? Well, we have to, we have to end the drug war. Um, 
Well, how do we do that, though? Through legislation that uh, that removes the drugs off the schedule. That okay. deschedulizes a lot of the drugs. So are you saying we, need, we should legalize marijuana? Is is that the libertarian answer? Or decriminalize yes, or what? Okay, legalize or decriminalize? I say it should be legalized. Okay. Rather than uh, decriminalize. Um, I, just, I just cannot find it in my heart to put people in prison over that. Even a person that has pounds of it? Um, you know, right now in, the, in our country, there are 33 countries that have either medical marijuana or fully legalized marijuana. And so now we have a big, huge market of people selling marijuana. Um, I mean, it's huge in Arkansas now. I think they said that the revenue was over $120 million. So right yeah, now we have a lot of people, sir. That's for medicinal marijuana, correct? Yes, that's, that's for medicinal marijuana. And the issue that I have with it is there are a lot of people that are above the ground now that are making, uh, that are opening businesses, that are providing jobs, that are making a significant amount of money, and the state is uh, raking in significant amount of taxes. But for decades, there were uh, low-income people and people of color that, engaged in this and are still incarcerated so it's kind of a it's a step forward yes but also we need to bring a little bit more justice to it and try to expunge the record for people that did engage in that but are now incarcerated all right let's take a break we got to get a break in right here uh ricky we'll be back and let's talk some more because that leads us directly into how the criminal justice system will be affected uh, about this, because if you legalize marijuana, then the people who are in prison under marijuana sentencing, would their sentences have to be expunged completely and those folks let out of prison? Let's talk about that when we return. It's the Dave Ellswick Show here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, we're about 11 minutes away from top of the hour news, top of the hour, end of our live uh, uh, section of the Dave Ellswick Show at uh, 8 o'clock. I'll be back on with you with a recorded hour at 6 p.m. You won't want to miss that. If you like uh, the car and truck doctor questions, uh, you'll want to join us uh, during uh, the 6 o'clock hour. Can't call then. If you send them to us, send them to Heidi, H-E-I-D-I, uh, at SalemLR.com, and uh, uh, we'll get uh, some answers for you at 6 o'clock uh, for your car questions. Duck will be with me to do that. Right now, though, joining me on the uh, air is Ricky Harrington. Ricky Harrington is a Libertarian candidate for uh, the, uh, the Senate. He's trying to uh, unseat uh, uh, Tom Cotton. He is with us. We talked and spent some time talking about drug-related offenses. And, Ricky, we left it as, well, how do we deal with the drug offenses that have gone before? If they, if they find, if we change 
you know, that uh, marijuana should be a legal substance that people can buy, does that mean we've got to go back and allow the people that are in jail right now for marijuana-related crime out of our jails? What does the Libertarian Party and what do you feel about that? Yes, sir. I believe that uh, the people that have received those charges should be uh, released from prison, released from jail, and have their uh, uh, records expunged. And I'd also like to say that um, while I was working for the ADC, I supervised the Think Legacy program that they have, and it essentially prepares the men incarcerated for their release. They have to be six to 18 months away from their release. And it, it helps them get ready to reenter society and with the hopes of reducing recidivism. And if we do happen to legalize that on a federal level, we need to equip those men to be able to reenter society so they won't fall back into criminality or try to find the easy money and end up right back in the system because that, that is quite common for that to happen. There's a lot of struggles that formerly incarcerated people struggle with, um, particularly with having to check that box that they were formerly incarcerated. And I understand that a, a business owner would be concerned with who they are hiring for that particular job. And so they want to hire someone trustworthy. So I understand the the investment that a business owner would have, but also as a as a just people, we want to be able to give people second chances because as they taught us, um, you need to know that each and every one of us is capable of anything given the right circumstances. That doesn't mean that we give people free passes but we understand that whenever we administer justice, we we also administer mercy at the same time. Well, I think it's a Christian virtue that if somebody has paid their their uh, their price in in uh, uh, you know prison, that uh, we should look at them and say. Uh, you get your chance to come back into society and prove that you can play nice in society. I would agree with that. Yes, sir. And I just, that's just the main thing for me is I'm running this race. Of course, I want to unseat Tom Cotton. I want to help the American people. If I can get my message out there to our Kansans, to the other Americans that are listening, we can we can make big changes in our country and in our culture. Um, I'd like to talk about uh, health care, if, if that's all right. Yeah, go right ahead. Um, I worked at a psychiatric hospital in uh, in 2012 uh, for almost a year. I worked there. My my title was crisis prevention technician, but essentially, whenever someone acted out, they had to deal with me. If someone got violent, they had to deal with me. If there was somebody violent on the hospital campus, my job was to go there and deal with that. And 90% of those encounters, we were able to not get to a violent situation just by redirecting the person, just by trying to see what's upsetting them. Um, But there were times when there was a lot of fighting and a lot of violence. 
Um, but while I was working there, one of the psychiatrists convinced me to, to not try to go the route of being a professional counselor while being a minister, but try to join a medical school. And I pursued that route, and I also reached out to people, asking them to help fund my medical education, and I would give them primary care for the rest of their life. So helping people, trying to provide a need for them was more important to me than, um, you know, there's a, it's a lucrative career in medicine. And um, I was unsuccessful in raising enough money to reserve a seat in, in medical school. And so um, while I was a missionary in China, I was a consultant at a hospital that was attached to the university I was teaching at. And so I learned a lot of things. And my I have a couple of different ideas on how we can address our healthcare problem here in America. And the problem is, is costs and how to keep the costs from rising. And the Affordable Care Act passed. There's a lot of people that loved it. There's a lot of people that hated it. And so now there's a big call for Medicare for all. And essentially it's, uh, you know, forcing everyone into a one size fit all version of health care. And my opinion, my vision is to give people more options. And I, su I support uh, direct primary care. I support legislation that would give uh, primary care physicians a little bit more freedom to, to practice medicine. I know there are a lot of uh, physicians that practice that, and essentially it's, um, you know, you're not paying your usual health insurance premium to a health insurance company. It's going directly to your physician. And I've heard studies say that if people had more access to health primary health care and making sure that their health was um, doing well, then a lot of the health care problems and a lot of the adverse health problems that people have would, would go down. I support a, a, a private option. I support a uh, public option. I definitely, my a vision that I would have is, is patient-owned hospitals where a lot of people in the community group together, pool their money together, don't pay uh, their premiums to the health insurance company, but everyone contribute to building up this hospital. Find young people that want to go to medical school and, and put them through medical school in exchange for coming and working at your hospital for a, a number of years. All right, so... Ricky, do you, do you believe, uh, as a, a lot of people believe, that uh, that we have a, an Almighty God, a sovereign God that we that we serve? Absolutely, yes, sir. That's my whole. That's from nine, since I was nineteen. I've been involved in ministry, and I'm thirty-four now. Okay. Uh, you believe in, uh, you know, moving for uh, the free market? Yes, sir. Okay. 
And uh, there's a lot of other things that are, are out there, uh, you know, that everybody has the right to a, a trial and, and whatnot. I mean, you believe in the Constitution, not of uh, not only of these United States, but also of this, the state of Arkansas, correct? Yes, sir. All right. So I guess I asked why you run as a libertarian, why not as a Republican? I just named a bunch of the planks of the Republican Party. Well, I have a problem with our two-party system and the way it conducts business. And I believe that we need more parties involved in the legislative process. Um, Congress has an, an abysmal approval rating, and our country is rampant with hyperpartisanship right now. And I think people should spend more time listening to one another, understanding um, that people have different experiences than you do, but it doesn't make it any more or less valid than yours. And that we all have different interests and we should be working together. We're right. not going to get to a, all right, Ricky, I, I got I got to jump in because we're up against the news. You've listened to the show. You know how that works. Rick Harrington uh, is running as a libertarian candidate to be senator of the state of Arkansas. We, ex- we uh, appreciate the half hour you gave us, Ricky. Have a great one from listener to candidate. Quite the story here on the Dave Ellswick Show. News is next. Welcome to the 6 o'clock hour on a Wednesday, hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day. We are closer to Friday than we were on Monday. And like I told everybody on the morning segments of the Dave Ellswick Show, we are closer to Labor Day weekend and three days off than we were starting this week off. A lot of rain been falling uh, throughout central Arkansas the last few days. They're saying that uh, what it's looking like is that by time we get to the weekend, things are going to start drying up, and we're going to have a beautiful uh, Labor Day weekend. And that's good because that's really, you know, the the shooting up the flare, saying we're just about done uh, with summer. In fact, I took uh, a look at uh, my calendar, and I can't find after this weekend another day over 90 degrees uh, for 20. Uh, 20. So uh, enjoy the warmer weather that we'll have this weekend while you can, because it's going to go away. Uh, Duck and, and Joe talked about this last week, about you should be calling up your uh, Bumper to Bumper Certified Service Centers, making an appointment, and getting all the things done. You kind of got to get done 
when you get ready for winter. So before we get into specific questions, Duck, what are some things people need to do to winterize their cars, and they need to do it now so that they don't have to wait at the back of the line? Yeah, you're right, Dave. Uh, you know, you need to just get your car serviced. You know, get someone to check your car from front to back, your belts, your hoses, check your brakes, check your tires, replace your wiper blades. You know, we've been through the hot part of summertime. They stick to the windshield. Because, Dave, as you know, we went through about four or five weeks there that didn't rain. So all your wiper blades stuck to your windshield. And when it started raining again, they, you know, they'll come apart. You know, that's one thing. You know, just remember, uh, winter's coming. Make sure your antifreeze is topped off. Needs to be about 25 below zero for the state of Arkansas. If you're going up north somewhere, you need to bump it down to about 40 below zero. Just to be on the safe side, because you just think about that, day When you crank your car up and it's 30 degrees outside, you go over and you get on the interstate for about 30 minutes. I mean, excuse me, for about 10 minutes, uh, your car is cold. You know, these newer cars, they heat up pretty quick. But yeah, they do. So you need to make sure that your antifreeze is down to about 25 below, and you won't have no problem with it slushing up and burning your motor up. Well, and let's talk about one other point that that brings up, uh, Duck, and that is when you start your car up, don't just throw it in the drive and start driving. Give it some time to get all the fluids flowing and, and all the rest. I I typically start, and especially during the winter, start my car up, and uh, I don't like to get in my car until it's warm, so uh, I let it run for five, ten minutes before I pull out of the garage. Dave, in the wintertime, if it's, like, we'll just say if it's 15 degrees outside, you need to let it run for a couple minutes and let it get the transmission fluid warmed up, let it get the engine oil warmed up, let it get a little bit of uh, heat into the radiator before you start driving, because if you don't have enough antifreeze in it, it's going to freeze and bust the blocks or bust the radiator. I mean, you you know, you're looking at a bunch of trouble, so... Yeah, it's it's real. If you can crank it up and let it run for a couple minutes before you take off, you're a whole lot better off. Well, a lot of people have figured out this uh, week with all the rain that we've been having, whether their uh, windshield wipers are in good working condition. Ours are, are still looking good, but I'm going to have them changed out here probably next week before I go on vacation by Joe and, and get some uh, good ones on there. I'm going to put on some that uh, have that rain repellent in them because I, yeah, the I rain really, yeah, I really like those. And wh- and what about like like mirror image that details your car? Is this a good time to go in and see them and and let them you know wax your car and things? That doesn't that give you some extra protection over the winter time? Well, it gives you a lot of protection, Dave, for salt. You know, around here we don't have you know. We don't have day after day after day of snow and sleet and, you know, stuff like that. But we do occasionally, you know, they'll go out and salt the roads and, and, you know, put the stuff on the bridges, you know. But if you get your car waxed, it'll make it a whole lot better. You know, uh, get it waxed and get it serviced. I mean, it'll just make it so much better because the salt, it'll stick to it. You know, the old white family gets on it. Yep. But. But you can wash it right off, Dave. I mean, you can take you can take straight water and wash it right off. Okay, if you got so a good you shine on your car. Just run into one of those, uh, you know, pull through or 
uh, park yeah, car, uh, car washes and, and uh, knock it off of your car. Keep it off the bottom of your car as well because that's where it likes to get and do damage. Yep. You don't want and it, that and it will it will rust right out body parts. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that, didn't we, last week, about some yep. of those uh, 2012, 2013 cars that uh, the, the fender wells were, were uh, uh, rusting out. All right, 14 minutes uh, about uh, after uh, the hour, 6 o'clock hour here on Dave Ellswick Show. Duck's with us. Joe's not here. Let me tell everybody, Joe's not here. He's not just sitting here being real quiet. He, he couldn't be that quiet that long anyway. Uh, <laughs> he, he's not with us. Uh, you said that he's traveling uh, for bumper to bumper. What, uh, what company is he going in and, and looking at? No, they, uh, Susie's sister had her shoulder oh, replaced. Oh, that's right. That's right. And she wanted to go out there and be with her for a week, so that's where they're at. I talked to him yesterday. They was working on a like a 46-model forklift. Got old four cylinder Continental, and he called me. He said, "Doug, do you remember what the point setting is on that?" I said, "Yeah, eighteen to twenty-two." Uh huh. He said, "I'm proud you remember because I didn't remember." I said, "Well, the reason I remembered, I had a buddy call here about three weeks ago, and was rebuilding one, uh, and he called and asked me the same question. I said, "Man, I don't know. I'd go look it up." So I had to go in there and pull out one of my old books and find it, and call him back, and tell him that. And, you know, so that's what him and his brother-in-law has been doing. They've been messing with this old forklift. All right. Let me so get you been, your first. They've been having a good time. Well, that's good. Let, and, and that's good. you got to get away from it for a while. I'm going to do that. I'm, I was telling some folks, when being and people who've been in the military will recognize <laughs> this statement. I'm a single-digit midget uh, now because I'm, only, I'm nine days away from leaving on uh, my uh, vacation. Uh, that was what we used to call ourselves when we were single digits away from uh, getting out of uh, the military. You were a single digit midget. With all that in, in, in mind, let's get to our first question. Josh has got a 2006 Ford Mustang GT. It's an eight-cylinder, 4.6 liter. This is a pretty easy question, I think, for you, uh, Duck. Why are there water spots in the interior on the passenger floor? I bet you have an answer to that. Yep. Drain stopped up on air conditioner. Okay. And you got to raise it up, go up underneath it. It's on the right-hand side. You can see the drain. Reach up in there. Usually what we do is we take uh, like a... Uh, we got a pick. It's got a bend on it, and you run it up in there and catch the hair, the lint, and all that stuff, and pull it out. Open the drain Yuck. back up. All your water goes away. Now, saying that, Dave, uh huh, I know a couple people that's got 2018s uh, F-150 Ford trucks. Ford has a recall for this problem. They're Uh-oh. getting water in the floorboard, and the drain is not stopped up. Uh, what they did, they run the pipe straight out. It runs back and runs up on the far wall, and, and there's a hole there, and it runs into the floorboard. I've oh, seen this goodness. three or four times. But Ford does have a fix for it, and it is a recall deal. Uh, they put a 90-degree elbow on it, a little rubber 90-degree elbow, and that stops all the problem. So bottom line, all people have to do is give you a call, and you can take yep. care of this for them. Yeah, and uh, uh 
I race my brother's got one. He's got a 2019, and he kept having water in the floorboard, and I kept telling him, I said, there's something going on. Let me find out. So I did a little research on it, found out that there is a recall. Well, it's not really a recall. It is if you come in griping about it, they'll repair it. <laughs> and all they do is they snap a rubber elbow on it, put a tie strap on it, and all that does is it just turns the water, runs it straight down instead of it running back up against the far wall. Uh, it's about a 20-minute fix is what it takes to do it. So, But uh, if you got water in your right floorboard, most likely you got a drain stopped up on your condenser line. Okay, so question going back to the, the pickup problem. Uh, since that's not a recall, uh, is that uh, you're going to have to pay for that to be fixed, correct? If it's still under warranty, they'll do it under warranty. Okay. It's not a recall. They call it a service bulletin is what they call it. All right. All and right. they've had this problem. so they But they did figure out a way to fix it, though. That's semantics as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's it's 18, about 18 minutes after the hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's talk about David. He's got a 2001 Subaru Outback Limited four-cylinder uh, two-and-a-half liter engine. He says, why does my check engine show catalytic converter? He says, I changed the catalytic converter recently and also the oxygen sensor in the front, but the check engine light keeps coming on with the tester indicating that the problem is cat converter again. What gives? So my question for this guy is, how good of a cat converter did you put in your car? Exactly, Dave. And did you replace both of them? Ah, there's two of them. No, it has two. It has one made into the exhaust manifold, and it has one in line. Did you replace both of them? That's the question somebody needs to ask him. You know, and and there again, you can take a computer and pull it up, and you can look at at the flow in the converter, and it will tell you if it's flowing the right amount of air through it. And if it's not, and you've already replaced one of them, you're probably going to have to replace the exhaust manifold one. And, Dave, that ain't a cheap fix. Yeah, probably high on the on the, on the the labor scale, isn't it? Uh, no, the part's more than anything. You're looking at probably somewhere in the $1,500 range time it wow. gets all said and done. Wow. That's so really got, expensive. It's, well, it's made into the exhaust. It's part of the exhaust manifold, and you got to replace the whole manifold to replace it. Oh my gosh! Okay. And there are very few aftermarket ones that you can find that's good. Okay, so David, good luck on your 2001 Subaru Outback Limited four-cylinder, two and a half liter engine. We got to get a break well, in. Go ahead, go, go ahead, ahead, Doc. No, you go. You All ahead, you need finish. to do is go to someone, let someone scan it. They can look at the information, read the information, and tell him which one to replace now. All right. There you got it. Go to your local bumper-to-bumper certified service center. They all can do the scan, and they can all tell you which of your converters are bad. They, You might be surprised. It might be the one that you replaced because you didn't replace Could it be. with a good one. That's uh, That's a problem as well. All right, break. Let's get a break in, Duck. We'll come back. We'll talk more. Duck is here from Duck's Garage over on Air Lane Drive in Benton. It's over there by the old airport by the Boys and Girls Club. 
If you're in that area, he's the guy to see, especially if you got a diesel. Duck's the man when it comes to diesels, and he's on with me today on the Dave Ellswick Show. Continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 6 o'clock hour. we got Duck with us. Joe's not here today answering car questions. Let me remind you that if you have a car question, send it to us. Send it to Heidi, H-E-I-D-I, H-E-I-D-I, at Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R, dot com. She'll get it, and uh, we'll answer it in our next segment, our next uh, week's version of uh, the uh, duck and, and Joe's time here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Lee has a 2013 Dodge Durango Crew, an eight-cylinder, 5.7-liter uh, truck. And he says, I recently replaced my battery, alternator, and the PCM, and I did that all within the last three weeks. Today... I went to start my car, and the battery light came on again. Uh, Another parts place said my battery and alternator were fine. However, there was a code for the starter. Any thoughts on what else it could be? Is my car okay to drive? It's a good question. But test, you know, don't guess is the first thing I would say, and and, Duck, uh, is that possible? Did you replace all this other stuff, and then you find out it's your starter that went bad? Nah, it ain't starter. won't make the battery light come on. What's going on, Dave? He's underneath the hood on the driver's side. It's got a fuse box. That's part of the body control module. And that's what controls your alternator charging. It controls a whole bunch of stuff. Even turning your AC compressor off and on. And it's most likely... Blow the, uh, the circuit in it. And the only okay. way you can fix it is replace it and program it. Yeah, let's let's take what you just said. Replace it and program it. Program it. It has to be programmed. It comes empty, and you have to go in there and tell it, okay, it's got AC, okay, it's got electric seats, okay, it's got this, it's got that. And program it, and then, but most likely, he had an alternator went bad and overcharged, Dave. Uh-huh. And it's blowed the circuit out of it. That's common with them, especially if you get one that, uh, like on the AC compressor and the clutch goes bad on it. When it goes bad, it'll blow out in there, and, and you can put a new compressor on it, but the compressor still won't come on because it's blowed the circuit out of it. Oh, wow. And the only way you can fix it is replace it and program it. So what are you looking at to get that replaced? Because I'm thinking, yeah, you might be able to replace it, but programming it is a whole different story. Yep, unless you got about twenty thousand dollars worth of equipment. That's that's how you program it. Uh, you're looking time he he's going to replace that and everything. You're looking at somewhere's in the thousand twelve hundred dollar range. Oh wow, ouch! Which goes to show, perhaps you shouldn't have been replacing the PCM and everything. And the money you would now, have saved. Yeah. Go ahead. You, what you, it, it probably needed an alternator on it, Dave, from, from, from the time he started. But, uh, and probably what's happened, the alternator shorted out, and it's probably blowed the, the body control module. It's basically, you know, what they call it. And uh, the only way you can fix it is put a new one on it and program it. Uh, 
he's probably repaired the problem that he initially had, but now you got to you got to repair everything that it tore up. Wow. All right, not a cheap fix to say the least, but to and get I it fixed, these people you got to go. I tell these people who have new vehicles, whatever you do, do not jump start somebody with a set of jumper cables. Explain why. Because if you arc the battery on your truck or your car, you could blow the PCM, you could blow the body control module. It's just it's just uh, dangerous. You know, uh, they make these little jump boxes now that you can carry in your car. Right. Uh, I have one in behind my seat. I I don't even care if jumper cables no more. I don't either. I don't want take. I don't want to take a chance of arcing it and blowing the you know blowing the body control module or blowing the alternator. You know, it's just not a very good thing. Anything after about 2016, do not jump start somebody. You know. You know and. Uh, it just ain't a very good deal. I mean, it just don't work good. Yeah. You might think you're doing your friend a favor, but you might be doing your own self a disfavor. <clears throat> well, you could be doing yourself a thousand, fifteen, two thousand dollars worth of damage by just arcing your battery cables. Well, let's let's talk about that jumper box you just talked about. You can pick one of those up at a, a local bumper-to-bumper uh, parts store they're not really expensive and uh, then you can help people on the side of the road and you can protect your own vehicle yeah and dave you can plug it up right to your cigarette lighter and fully charge it you know uh there it's just a it's just not a good idea nowadays to do to use jumper cables on your vehicle to jump your buddy off or jump your wife's car off or something it's not a very good idea all right, take uh, words of advice from a man who knows. Duck, of course, has been a mechanic for years and years. Owns Duck's Garage in Benton, right off of uh, Air Lane Drive in Benton, down there by the old airport. He knows what he's talking about. The, you know, the other thing that you guys talk about all the time, and we got about a minute to go here before we got to go to break, so I'll bring this up, is, I, and I watch it happen all the time. People just don't realize what they're doing, I guess. And that is, do not, after the pump that you're filling your car up with clicks off, do not top off your tank of gas. You're going to cause yourself some problems. Real problems, Dave. Uh, you know what it does? It, it 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 bleeds over into your canister, and when it gets full of fuel, when it you know it just messes up everything. It messes up the exhaust system. It messes up your your oxygen sensors. Uh, it's just not a good idea. When it clicks off, it tells you, "Hey, I'm full." Don't put no more in me. But most people, I am, and uh, my father-in-law used to be the world's worst about packing one. All he could get in it. Absolutely. You know, and and he burnt many uh, charcoal canisters up and run them by filling them full of gas. But uh, nowadays, these new vehicles, when they get full, they shut off. All right. We got to get a break in. Got to do that right now on the Dave Ellswick Show with you. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, our 6 o'clock hour uh, edition. Good to have you with us. And uh, Duck is here. Duck of Duck's Garage. We're talking about cars. Remember, if you have a car question that you want answered, if you'll just send it to us 
uh, via email to Heidi, H-E-I-D-I, at SalemLR.com. She'll get it. She'll forward it to me. And then next week, uh, when Duck and if Joe's back and we got him on as well, they'll answer your question. All right. Phil has a 2004 Chevy uh, Colorado LS five-cylinder, three-and-a-half-liter engine. He says, uh, the passenger and rear doors will not power lock or unlock. The driver's side works fine when the button is pushed from either the driver or passenger's doors. I tried a new lock actuator in the front passenger door with no luck. Got any help on this? Yeah, Dave. It's got a wire that comes out of the body, goes into the door. It's a little black accordion-looking deal. It's rubber. Right. It's got a broke wire in there. That was common on them. It's got a broke wire. you gotta, you got to uh, unhinge the door, let it run around, pull the rubber back, and start pulling on the wires, and you'll find one of them broke, and it'd probably be the one that's the ground because they, they work off of ground. They don't work off of voltage. But it's got one of them broke. Uh, that's common, and it feeds into the back, too. So most likely he's got a broke wire somewhere in where it folds on the door. That's pretty common on them. Okay, Not so only when, Chevrolet, but Ford has a problem too. Okay, so when you find that problem, uh, you got to find where the the wire goes to ground, and then what? Uh, expose the wire, and then take just, and twist it together and put a cap on it. Well, no, we don't twist them together. We. Uh, we take and overlay them with one another and take some solder and solder them, then put heat shrink over them. Because they've got to bend back and forth. When you shut the door, they bend. Uh-huh. So if, if you put a cap on it, it'll come off. So the best thing to do is just kind of run your wires together and tie them together and then take some solder and solder them solid. Then put a piece of heat shrink over them, and you won't have no more problem. It's got a broke wire right there in one of the doors. You just have to start trailing it till you find it. All right. So bottom line is, if I ever have that problem, I'll bring it to you. Yep. You just, it, just, it takes a little bit of time to figure it out, but uh, it ain't no problem to do. All right. Uh, let me uh, share with folks something that I intend to do when I get back from vacation. And uh, you get out on some of these country roads. In fact, you get out in some parts of Highway 5 going up in the area where I live up in Cabot, it gets dark, dark up there. And if it's raining, it gets even darker. And if you just have a little bit of a ground fog, it, it gets dangerous. Uh, I'm going to be going to see Russell. Russell's going to uh, put in some of those brighter lights for me into my fog lights. And then I'm going to put a, a light bar uh, into my uh, into my dash. Now, that's going to cost me a little bit of money, but uh, as I as I get older, I'm I'm just telling you, I don't see as well as I used to, and I've noticed people are still pretty dumb when they get out and they walk along the side of Highway Five and they got black clothes on. So I want to have a little extra light that I can see things out there. Well, he was talking about that yesterday, Dave, about uh, uh, getting your light bar deal set up. So. He'll, he'll get you took care of. I mean, it just makes sense to me. I think everybody should do this as you get as as you age. I know. I know. If I talk to you about it, you'll admit you don't see as well at dark, in dark as you used to. No, 
don't none of us see that good no more today. We're all getting old. That's a key. That's a big key. It's a factor. It, uh, it causes problems for all of us. All right. Uh, Jim sent in a question about a 2007 Saab uh, 9-5, 2.3-4-cylinder, uh, 2.3-liter. I have no, no idea of what he just said about his Saab. Anyway, here we go. He's got a sports mode problem. He says, I got this 2007 2395 Aero Sedan that goes into sports mode every time I start it. If I put it into drive, then back into reverse and back into drive, it comes out of sports mode. The S button on the top of the gear shifter has no effect at all, no matter when I press it. The car's got 112,000 miles. This happens always at startup, even if the car is cold or hot. You got any ideas why this is happening? And I bet you you do. Well, most likely, Dave, he's got a shortage wire on his button, and his button's not working no more. What he needs to do is go see Ryan. Yeah, Ryan Ryan takes care of him. Yeah, he takes care yeah. of sobs. Yeah, Ryan works on all them. Uh, go see Ryan. He'll take care of you. He'll have to put a scanner on it to scan it. But uh, he'll put the scanner and work the button and see that the button's not working. And then he'll find the rope wire or, or the switch or the solenoid that's gone bad, and he'll repair it. But it's got a simple fix problem, most likely, Dave. It's probably not in the transmission. It could be in the programming, but... But Ryan can take care of him. Go see Ryan out at Pinnacle Car Care out off of Highway 10, and he'll take care of you. All right. So let me uh, jump off of that and mention to you this is a problem that happens ever so often to me. I'll uh, drive my car, put it in park, get out of it, come back, and try to start it. won't start. But if I take the gear shift, my hand against gear, gear shift, push it up towards the uh, dash, uh, it starts right up. I'm I'm thinking that there must be some kind of of, uh, of actuator. So, yeah. Yeah. So, the the safety neutral switch is out of adjustment. Okay. So you take you can can you take care of that? Oh yeah. Yeah. This needs to be adjusted. All right. So don't take, uh, we'll, don't take this few minutes to adjust it. All right. Great. Glad to hear that. All right. Rob's got a 2004 Dodge Ram 1500. SLT, 8-cylinder, 5.7 liter. Lots of big trucks talking today. Uh, he says, I recently had the oil pan replaced because it was uh, seeping oil due to rust. Two days later, I picked it up. It started leaking again, and now they're telling me it's the rear main seal. Could they have damaged that seal when they were replacing the part? We've answered this question before. Is this no. the same question that we have? No, that, that's not the case. But go ahead and, and talk to that. Well, Dave, it was probably the rear main oil seal to start with. And you can't, you got to pull the transmission to put a rear main oil seal in that thing. Uh, as far as damaging it, when you put an oil pan gasket on it, uh, there ain't no way. Ain't, ain't no way you can damage it because you can't even you can't even see it till you get the transmission out. So, uh, But he probably had a... Uh, Real seal leaking anyway, and Dave, it's hard to it's hard to figure out which one's leaking. 
Okay, uh, why is that? Know, well, the rear seal drips out right where he's seen an oil leak. Okay. Uh, most likely, uh, it's the rear main oil seal leaking. It's done got hard and brittle, and it don't seal around the crankshaft no more. So, you know, he may have needed an oil pan because it rusted out. And, you know, you don't know until you see what's going on, but... Uh, these new vehicles, you very seldom have oil pan leaking. Now, if it rusted a hole in it, I can understand replacing it. You know, that's, that ain't no problem because it, it's very possible it could have rusted a hole in it. But it's probably the rear main oil cell to start with. But, you know, the only way you can know that is whoever worked on it can tell him, hey, here's the oil pan. Here's a hole that had rusted in it. We put a pan, you know, a pan on it. Then we'll go from there, you know. And, uh, and that's what I tell people about oil leaks. Hey, this is what's leaking right at the second. It could be other problems. Let's fix this, and then we'll figure out the rest of it. Yeah, because you're gonna have to fix it no matter what, right? Exactly. You got to fix it no matter what. You know, most especially he's talking about the oil pan was rusted real bad, and it could have rusted a hole in it. I have seen holes rust into them. You know, wow. uh, uh, but but there again, you got to fix the problem that you can see. And then move on to the next problem. I'm with you. All right, we got about four minutes before we got to go to break. Let's try to get this question in uh, before we go to break. Corey has a 2008 Honda Civic uh, SL or SI, pardon me, a four-cylinder, two-liter engine. He said, uh, "I just installed my rear brake pads and rotors, but when I tighten up the tires, they won't move." I used the right tools to compress the pistons, and everything uh, seems fine. But when I put the wheel back on and tighten the lug nuts, the tires won't move. Even when I turn on the car and put uh, put it in reverse, I have to say that I did not put back the screws that hold the rotor in place since I have always been told that those are required. Also, since my old pads were worn off badly, and the rotors were already thinner than specs, do I need to adjust the handbrake? If so, how do I do that? Thanks for any help that you can provide. Probably what's the matter, Dave, reason this wheel won't turn when he's tightening the wheel nuts up, the lug nuts up, he don't have the rotor centered up on the hub. Okay. That's what those three bolts are for, to center it up on the hub, make sure you get it all the way up. As far as adjusting the parking brake, there ain't no adjustment on it. It works off the caliper, and as soon as you apply the brakes and the brakes and the, and the, the caliper runs the piston out, they adjust themselves. There's no okay. adjustment on the parking brake. All right, so what he needs to do is that uh, uh, he needs to go put those screws that hold the rotor in place back where they belong, right? Exactly, and make sure you got the hub. Got make sure you got the rotor centered on the hub, and that should fix your problem. Here's a rule of thumb for everybody: if you're doing work on your car, and you've got extra screws and extra nuts or something left over, you need to find out where they came from. Well, Dave, think about this: Honda made that car. For that year, they probably made probably eight or nine hundred thousand of those cars. You just think about it's six screws. There's two. There's three on each side. 
You just think about that. If they didn't need them screws, how much money they'd have saved when they built that car. That's right. A lot of money. That's why I a look lot. at that. Hey, they put it there for a reason, so it it needs to be put back for a reason. Yeah, because they wouldn't have put them there with the cost factor that you just talked about unless they had to. No. No. Uh, well, for instance, Chevrolet in uh, like, uh, uh, I'm going to say like 97, 98, 99 Chevrolet pickup with a 5.7 in it. Uh-huh. They had a heater hose connected that connected to the intake. Well, when Chevrolet made them, they're made out of pop metal. And they're good for about 50,000 miles, and then they rot out and break off. Well, when you buy a replacement, guess what they're made out of? They're made out of stainless steel. Wow. And everybody, and everybody gripes, says, why don't Chevrolet put them stainless steel from the factory? And I tell them, look, how many of these do you think Chevrolet buys a year? They buy hundreds of thousands of them. They can get these El Cheap ones made for, for 30 cents a piece, and the stainless steel one, they, it costs them nine, uh, 6 or $7 a piece to make them. So uh-huh. just think about how much money they saved. Yeah, a lot. All right. Let's yeah. get our break in. we got to do that. That's just the bottom line of the business, folks. Let's get our final break in, and then we'll come back with Duck. And, Duck, we're going to talk about a 2003 Mercedes-Benz CLK 500, an eight-cylinder, five-liter engine. That's coming up as we uh, talk with Duck about cars on the Dave Ellswick Show. Final segment. We're talking cars, as we always do in the this hour of the Dave Ellswick Show, Duck is with us. Typically, Joe is here as well from Joe's Garage, but he is on vacation, uh, uh, a family uh, vacation with his wife, taking care of a family member who had some surgery. The, he'll be back with us hopefully next week. Duck is here from Duck's Garage off of uh, the uh, Fairlane Drive out there, or Airlane Drive out in uh, Benton next to the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, there's no missing his garage. There's a ton of business sitting around his garage. All right, Stacy has his 2003 Mercedes-Benz CLK 500. It's an eight-cylinder, five-liter. And she says, while driving my car, it suddenly slowed down to a stop. The engine stays running, but the car stops moving. While stopped, I can move the automatic gear shift through all of the gears. Park, reverse, drive, etc., without holding the brake. I've had the trans fluid flushed and filled. The conductor plate has been changed. When I brought the vehicle, it was in limp mode and cleared the codes with a MB2 uh, scanner. Any further assistance would be appreciated. Now, this would be a Ryan question, but you may have run into this before, Duck. Dave, it's most likely got a transmission uh, computer going bad. It's what's okay. going on with it. Because uh, that's all electric shift on that thing. He's going to have to go to Ryan and, and uh, or go to go to one of our certified centers that has the, the right equipment. Uh, I have it. Uh, Ryan has it. Joe has it. Uh, you know, he can call one of us, and we'll get him in, get him took care of. Gary Henry has it. You know, you can actually send him out to Gary Henry. He'll take care of him. Uh, 
you know, that's what you need to take. You know, it's got to go to someone that's got the equipment to test it with. Okay. Yeah, because not you know, everybody can pay $20,000 for a scanner. No. They get very expensive very quickly. All right, let's get a couple more questions in here before we wrap it up for today. Peter's got a 2006 Chevy Impala LT, six-cylinder, three-and-a-half liter. When changing my AC setting from circulatory airflow to forced airflow, my whole climate control messes up. It doesn't want to switch from cold to hot air, from face and feet blower to feet or face alone or even defrost. All I hear is this really obnoxious tapping even if I turn the car off, it still taps. What do I got to do? Put a, uh, it's called a blend door actuator. And what you're doing is the actuator is out of time. It's, it's stripped the gear inside it. And uh, the popping noise you're hearing is the actuator trying to make the door open. But it can't. Uh, you need to replace the actuator. And if it's got dual climate control, you know, where you can control the left side and the right side separate, you have to figure out which one is bad. And once you fix that, then you'll fix all your problems. All right. So you're going to go through your dash. Is that not right? Yes, sir. And this is a... Uh, see which one it is and start replacing. Yeah, it's a Chevy Impala. Do their, do their, uh, do their you know, does that stay together or does it have the propensity to crack? No, it stays together. All right. That's they don't good. Have, they don't All have right. trouble like Dodges. All right. Let's jump in. Craig's got a 2002 Toyota Camry LE. It's a four-cylinder, 2.4 liter. He says, my wife parked the car in the parking lot in the morning. She started the engine in that evening without anything abnormal. When she tried to drive, though, the car moved very slowly and skidding in a slant direction. Also, the ABS light came on. She later realized that the left rear wheel was locked up and didn't spin at all, while the other three wheels seemed to function normally. We called a flatbed truck to tow the car to a mechanic close by with the bad wheel on, a special dolly. But when the mechanic checked the car, it drove normally and no problem was found after tires, wheels, and brakes were examined. His theory was that the brake might have reset after the tire was lifted off the ground. We're still uncertain whether it may happen again. It'll be disastrous if it happened while we were driving on the highway. Great point here. Uh, don't guess at this. Figure it out, correct? Exactly. Dave, uh, most likely it's got a parking brake cable that's hanging up, which is she probably set the parking brake when she went in to go to work, which a lot of people do. Uh, and it probably got a cable that's going bad, and it hung up that one wheel. And when they put it on the dolly, it shook it loose. Uh, and it, it probably needs a parking brake cable. The cable needs to be inspected real close. Uh, pull it, set it, let it off, pull it, set it, you know, and then you'll catch it doing it. Most likely it's either going to be a caliper or parking brake cable, one of the two. All right. Final question for you. My car is leaking underneath on the driver's side where the oil pan is, but it is antifreeze, not oil. It is dripping at a rate of one drop about every two seconds. It is not 
the hoses or the clamps or the thermostat gasket? About how much will it cost to fix this? Or better yet, can I fix it myself if I'm a beginner beginner at mechanics? What kind of vehicle is it, Dave? Does it say? It, uh, let's see. Let me go back. It is a 1995 Subaru Legacy LS four-cylinder 2.2-liter engine. No, you cannot fix it yourself. Water pump's leaking, and you got to pull the front off of it and put a timing belt on it. you got to put a timing belt kit. It comes with a timing belt, a tensioner, and a water pump, and you can't do it yourself because you don't have a tool to time it with. All right. You answered that in record time, and it's time for us to go goodbye for this Wednesday. Thanks a lot, Duck. We'll talk. I'll be in touch right. with you. We'll talk deer hunting here on the phone. So Dave Ellswick Show, I'll be back with you on Thursday, 6 a.m. J.R. Davis and Seth uh, will be with us, Mays, and GOP. Plus, uh, we're going to talk about your uh, A.C. and your heating. That's all coming up on the next Dave Ellswick Show. See you at 6 a.m. on Thursday.